Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I've been in law enforcement for nearly six years and I have had a few supernatural things occur during my shifts. The most recent one came from a 911 hang-up call. I was riding two-man on a summer night and it was probably around 2 or 3 a.m. when we get a call for a 911 hang-up. The only call comments were was a call was placed to 911 and upon answering it the person hung up. When dispatch attempted to call the number back no one answered. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Insert. The area in which I was working this night I have basically spent my whole career in. There aren't a whole lot of streets I had yet to respond to. However, the address this call came in from, they used GPS coordinates to find the closest location since the caller hung up, I had never been to. I had driven past this road many times but never actually revived a call from it. We pull up to this old dirt road and it has a metal chain going across the entrance with a sign that says no trespassing. Because we have to figure out what is going on me and my partner continue on foot up this long dirt slash gravel road. The road was maybe about 100 yards long. The shitty party was that on each side of the road was a tall chain link fence. Why this was crappy was because now me and my partner were now walking down a fatal funnel. If there happened to be a guy waiting for us at the end of this road with let's just say an assault rifle, we would have no place to take cover. Thankfully this did not happen. We eventually reached the end of the road and there are two houses on each side. At first we believe one of these houses is where the 911 call had come from. As I am shining my flashlight at one of the houses I see a figure move from inside. Instantly I'm like oh shit people actually live back here as I thought for sure the houses were going to be vacant. Shortly after a man and a woman walk outside and ask what is going on. We tell them we received a 911 hang-up call from address 123 Main, made up, and asked if they had called. The man tells us his address is 124 Main and the one across the street is 125 Main, which he says is vacant. He proceeds to tell us there is a 123 main which is basically in the middle of these tall weeds slash forest looking area just to the north of his house. He says the house is vacant and run down and can only be reached on foot. I ask him how far away it is from his house and he says probably a couple of football fields away. Now while all this walking slash investigating was going on we had received a think two more 911 hang up calls. Same address. Same result. Before we made this trek out into the middle of the woods we called for another car and eventually another two-man unit responded. The four of us now wandered out into the woods, two of us with our assault rifles out and followed a barely beaten path to where we assumed we would find a house. Fighting spider webs and low-hanging tree branches we eventually reach our destination. I am terrible at describing things but this house was straight out of any horror movie you want to imagine. It was run down. Had a tree that had fallen through the middle and had now become incorporated with the house throughout the years. The house was nearly falling apart and was completely overgrown by greenery. Having come this far we decide to continue on, even though we were pretty sure the house would be vacant. After fighting through some thick brush we find our entrance. We each have to climb over some fallen brick walls and other wooden shit before we actually make entry. My biggest fear at this point is this stupid rotten house collapsing on itself and being trapped inside with no one being able to find us. We search the entire house and like we thought no one inside. 
And when I say we searched the entire house I mean the entire house. Nothing was left unchecked. Feeling satisfied we all climb our way back out of the bullshittery and start heading back towards where the two original houses were. As we walk back dispatch radios us and tells us they received another 911 hang up call coming from the same address. This time dispatch tells us they were able to make call back and when the person answered they could hear what sounded like a child playing on the phone. The four of us looked at each other and decided we were done with this call. We had done everything we could up to that point and were not about to get called back into possibly a demon's house because a child was on the phone. We clear the call and don't receive any more 911 hang up calls for the rest of the night. Fast forward maybe 6 months and it's dead as cold winter. 911 hang up from the same address. This time it's me and 3 guys who weren't there previously. I tell them the story of what happened and all three are super psyched and want to check it out. The four of us walk back out to this house now much easier to get to since the cold had killed off a lot of the greens. The three of them decide to go into the house. I wait outside as I already had my fun. They don't make it too far once they realize this house is about to collapse on itself. We all leave again. No call back from a child this time. If I ever go out there again I'll try and get a picture of the house just so when I tell other people this story they can have a better understanding of how this house actually is. At the time I was a third shift caregiver in assisted living. We have pagers that go off if a resident pushes their call button asking us to help go to the bathroom, or if they fall etc. We get a page about 12 a.m. to a resident's room. A woman who was one of my favorite people in the building at the time, who is wheelchair bound and she needs to use the restroom. Now she must have had pneumonia or something respiratory going on that wasn't diagnosed because the daughter never took her to get checked out and the resident refused to go to a doctor, but you could hear her troubled breathing from down the hall. When we got to the room, besides the fact that she had loud raspy breathing, she acted as if nothing was wrong. She was joking around and teasing my coworker and I as usual, but we could tell something was a little off by the way she was acting. We do two hour checks on the residence. So by this time it was about 2 AM. We check one side of the building and make our way to the hallway with the woman. But as we turn the corner, I stop. My coworker asks what's wrong. I tell her it's quiet and she realizes what I mean. The woman had passed. We made all the calls that we were to make per protocol and they have her body moved out of the room by about 5-ish and the last thing we have to do before shift change is unlock the front doors at about 5.45 am. I make my way to the double glass push doors to unlock them and open and close the door to make sure they were really unlocked. As the glass doors are closing I see in the reflection of the glass is the woman who had just passed away sitting in the chair behind me. I spin around to find an empty chair. I was an officer for 12 years and 9 of those were spent in the mountains manning a small station just outside of a secluded town. Our police department was small my partner and I along with two interns that came every summer to help us out for 3 months. We got around on four-wheelers which allowed us to cover most of the massive mountain range that surrounded our entire town. I've been living there in this area for over 20 years. 
I practically grew up there and my wife is also from there. It's very remote. In many directions you can see for miles thick forest all around. It was peaceful quiet, until last summer. When we lost power overnight one night. We still don't know what caused it. Forcing me to drive to the station. Instead of riding the ATV. It was fall so it wasn't getting too hot. But it was pretty humid out. I remember getting on my radio and saying something along the lines of. This one, tonight is going to be the night. So I woke up about 5 am. As usual. Browsed myself from bed, went upstairs to our break room where the coffee maker is that I had set up before going to bed the night before. Coffee smells great when it starts brewing at this time of day. I think it's because our bodies are still trying to unwind from being asleep for several hours. After getting all the power fixed and worked on, the day went as usual. And by the end of it, I was exhausted, after being awake for so long. So by the time it came to head home, it was more than anticipated. The station is only a couple of miles away from where we lived. But there are no streetlights around, because it's so rural. And it's very dark out when you're driving at that time in the morning. And this becomes even darker, whenever there is fog. Because everything turns into a thick, wall of white. You don't see anything, uphill or down, and we live pretty far up a mountain. I was almost at the base, where our station is. It's a little bit out of town, about half a mile or so from the highway that leads to another state. I've never been down this road, in complete fog. And as I crested a hill, my headlights illuminated something large on the side of the road. That appeared to be moving. The closer I got, it seemed less like an animal. And more like somebody lying down their back. Underneath one of those plastic tarps, they put over construction zones. It was orange, as it began to move, and let me tell you this thing weighed at least 500 pounds. I saw a huge claws come up off this tarp shifting thing around it. I slammed my brakes, and I realized it was a bear. But this thing wasn't just a black bear, its fur was different, and then it stood up in the middle of the road staring at me. Huge paws spread wide with claws extending about 8 inches further than they should have been. It made these deep moans that started out low then went way high before going back to being low again. Wet and guttural. Its head was like 3 feet long, having bright yellow eyes. But like I said before all of this is seen through fog. So details were impossible to make out, except for those teeth. All jagged fangs exposed by what looked like lips, pulled back into a nasty grimace. This was terrifying. Being not sure exactly what to do. I swerved around this thing. And it didn't even illuminate in my backlights. As if it was never there. I'm not a drinker, I've never done drugs. And I stay pretty sober and clean with my job career. I have exactly, zero explanations for what I saw that evening. Now I've told this to a few close buddies. They believe this was just a misidentification of a bear. But I'd like to think otherwise. I served in the 8th District, New Orleans Police Department, New Orleans, Louisiana. My badge number was 1765. I was one of the few hundred officers that stayed throughout the Katrina disaster. 
I had a few reptilian abductions back in 2005. You may already be familiar with the reptilian sightings in New Orleans after Katrina. These were documented by Joe Montaldo's group, ICAR. Both police and National Guardsmen had simultaneous sightings and missing time. Groups of reptilians were seen patrolling parts of the city eight days after the storm. However, my abduction actually took place a few weeks before Katrina. I was forced to act as an extra in a training session for the warrior class reptilians. I was brought to what was a shopping mall type setting. There's no way for me to be certain if this was an actual mall or some underground training replica. I still vividly remember the ornate decorative lamp posts that lined the main corridor. Although the mall had a roof, it also had expensive cobblestone-style flooring. Design-wise, it seemed to be a very upscale mall. There were dozens of other human abductees. Most were dressed as civilians. I was one of the few dressed as police. The police uniform I wore was nondescript no badges, no markings. We were instructed to stand near an intersection of two major corridors and wait. The lights went out. Then there was a large explosion. The reptilians either bored, or explosively breached, via a hole in the roof of the mall's center point. Literally, seconds after this blast, the reptilians were running down this hallway. I don't know if they teleported in or jumped down. Either way, they hit the ground level too quickly to have used ropes. They were all brown-scaled and about 7 to 8 feet tall. They immediately began firing weapons over people's heads. They shot the lighted sign fronts and those lamp posts. They even shot a garbage can. This produced a shower of debris and sparks. Three out of the four reptilians didn't have weapons. The few who did were carrying powerful backpack-powered laser weapons. The backpacks themselves were extremely thin and barely thicker than a laptop. But, everything they shot exploded into flames instantly. I don't know if these weapons were particle beams or infrared. If I had to guess, I'd say some kind of infrared or plasma. The heat between the end of their guns and the targets was visible. The air shimmered like the heat above a large flame. They took specific care to target objects near people so that the shrapnel and noise would cause them to run. Within a few seconds, everyone was fleeing from the advancing troops. I think it's entirely possible that these weapons are the source of fire-breathing dragon legends. After the herd of panic people tried to flee for the nearest exit, they were blocked by another wave of 10 to 12 reptilians. We few generic police actors were then made to stand up on a nearby pedestal. It looked to be some kind of abandoned red, plywood-style stage. It must have already been cleared of its decorations or was between holiday uses. Me and my fellow police handed over our weapons and allowed ourselves to be frisked. We were then allowed to leave. After this was demonstrated to the crowd, the reptilians began rapidly frisking them for weapons-slash-contraband-slash-stolen goods. After being frisked, they were told to exit the mall. The reptilians did all of this instruction in pantomime with a lot of excited waving and pointing. That's where my dream ends. I've had no other conscious abductions since. During the training, I received a telepathic sense of the reptilians' broad battle plan. They would concentrate on counteracting areas vulnerable to looters. 
They plan on focusing 90% of their resources towards this end, because the damage and economic cost of opportunistic looters, and panic hoarders, really seems to worry them. They realize, rightly so, that we don't have nearly enough police or troops to deal with an all-out panic situation. However, their means of dispersing looters seemed odd. Basically, they're trained to fire live weapons into or around crowds and cause only minor injuries. They don't want to use stun, or non-lethal weapons, because they would then have to move the unconscious, who would be subject to being trampled or waking up after they've moved to the next block and starting trouble again. Shooting signs, walls, lamp posts adjacent to panicking crowds just seems like a sloppy idea but, I'm no military tactician. The purpose of the attack plan was to maintain stability and prevent irreversible damage to our business infrastructure. They seem to have no concern for defending our electric, water, or medical infrastructure. They genuinely believe that opportunistic and panic-motivated looters lack the knowledge or motivation to attack infrastructure. So, the reptilians plan to focus their resources on preventing a replay of Iraq. They will do anything necessary to stop looting within days of an initial panic event. As gleaned from other abduction cases, I've come to the conclusion that this battle plan is driven by the motivations of the winged Draco albino reptilians. As they run the reptilian hybrid power structure, their greatest fear is damage to their business investments, followed by years of insurgency. They use New Orleans as a testing ground for this philosophy. Of course, if I invested in a third world country and woke to find the natives burning all my investments, I'd be inclined to commit troops quickly. From what I've seen, the reptilians are actually hoping to beat the first wave of looters to high probability targets, like malls and large department stores. No announcements, no Independence Day type hovering ships. Just instant ground deployment. In conclusion, it is important to realize three things about the reptilians. 1. They are extremely well trained for urban warfare. 2. They will not give warning before they strike. No hovering ships. Why? Because this would cause the exact type of panic looting slash damage they are trying to prevent. By the time you see their ships, they will already be deploying out of them. 3. They are not concerned with persecuting or killing civilians. They are only concerned with minimizing the chaos and damage surrounding any mass catastrophic event. Their target is looters and violent insurgents. If you are not brandishing a weapon, or stealing something, they have absolutely no interest in bothering you. They are too focused on trying not to get killed by the opportunistic looters and armed psychos that will be taking to the streets. Even if they find a weapon on you, they're just going to take it and push you on your way. They don't have the staff or equipment to detain anyone. I actually had an experience with an implant a few days prior to this abduction. I found a solid object under my skin, with no discoloration, in a private area of my body, my penis. I thought it was cancer, and I was freaking out for a few days. A solid pea-sized lump should not appear under your skin overnight. I thought the object was removed following that paramilitary training abduction. but. It has reappeared and disappeared several times since 2005. I have zero memories of its insertion part of the abduction, 
but fully remember the training part of the abduction. Odd. I was afraid to include this part of the story, since it sounded so absurd. I have told two abduction research counselors about this in the past two years, Eve Lorgan and Stuart Swerdlow about this but kept it private outside those circles. I am shocked this has happened to someone else as well. I spent five years thinking it was some kind of shrapnel, scar, or intentional warning. Apparently it does have a purpose. Something to do with my spine, nervous system? This could explain my extraordinary nervous system issues since the abduction. On this night I was out on routine patrol of the county. It was dark, and I'd been driving for about an hour since my shift began at 10 p.m. As is customary with me, when I'm in my patrol car, a blue polo shirt and a pair of cargo pants had replaced my uniform today which I wasn't wearing in the presence of the general public anyway. The windows were rolled down to let in some fresh air during this time of night. It's not too hot yet still humid enough that you can't stand being inside your vehicle without air conditioning. It was now close to 2 AM and suddenly something appeared on the road ahead of me. At first I thought it might have been an animal maybe making its way across the road into the nearby woods. But then I saw just how huge it was. So I slowed down to about 15 miles per hour just to have a better look in my high beams. And my initial reaction was pure fear. Plain and simple. I'd never seen an animal so big and so up close before. Which is saying something, considering I'm sick for myself with a fairly large build. It was free all over. Except for those patches of bare skin, revealing themselves on his chest face and so forth. They were black in coloration instead of the brownish hue and the darkness of the rest of its coat. The hair itself seemed long, not like what you'd see on a long-haired dog or any other breed, but rather thicker and more plentiful. I don't think it was a bear to be honest. It didn't have the face or head for it and that description did not fit an earth sign creature at all. When I look back on its face and memory, there's no way I can recall any kind of snout present. Either this thing had evolved for millions of years, without ever growing such a feature. Which seems highly improbable or else what I saw wasn't so much an animal as it was something else entirely. It was pretty scary at first but I kept telling myself that it was probably just a big dog or something. That comforted me until I pulled into the driveway of my destination. Which was this old country house where somebody had called us earlier. Now this thing was at least six feet tall if not more. Massive hulking and this thing had opened its mouth, revealing what looked to be rows upon rows of teeth. But it didn't snarl or growl. Just baring its teeth, staring at me, with an expression that seemed very aggressive. I even saw it raise up its arm. It had a paw at the end of it. Which was brandishing some kind of black curved long claw. That looked to be about four inches long. If I had to guess, the creature turned around and disappeared back into the wood line. Before I could get out of my car or radio and for backup, I was pretty scared at first especially since I'd never seen anything like this creature before in my life. At first I thought it might have been a bear due to people are always getting mauled by bears here in Pennsylvania. But then, when I saw its face for the first time, that was terrifying. I've never seen anything like it before, 
but if I could compare it to any animal that exists or doesn't exist the closest I guess would be a werewolf. Because werewolves look really similar to way this thing did. Minus the snout of course. It didn't occur to me at first, but then I got on another call on my radio. Where witnesses were claiming that they'd just seen something similar. Only this time, it had been chasing after a fellow officer. The officer involved was terrified by what he saw and apparently there is some seriously large footprints left behind as well. I'm not sure who else is out there seeing these creatures or why they're popping up at all. But maybe, if we keep our eyes open we might find out. Patrol officer here. This is not my story but my partner's, and all three officers on scene verified this story too. So my partner responds to a priority breaking and entering call. A house sitter slash dog sitter calls and says that he can hear loud banging and footsteps coming from downstairs, the ground floor, and he should be the only one home. The house sitter and the dog are both upstairs, dog is in a cage. So officers respond priority, including a K-9 officer. Police release K-9 into the house first to clear the house. K-9 comes out empty-handed. Three officers then go inside the house and clear it themselves. Again, nothing and nobody inside. Officers then step out front with the house sitter that called 911. As they're telling him the house is empty, they see the curtains of the bedroom window on the second floor open. They're heavy curtains and they parted from the center, so they claim it couldn't really be possible from air vents kicking on or anything like that and all three officers and the house sitter all see it. Then the guy asks police to come back inside with him because he's going to take the dog to a different home for the night and he needs to get the dog out of the cage. The police refuse to go back inside with him, not the best example of public service. I know an old detective who has lots of stories, one of which he loves to tell as a paranormal one. In his younger days two patrol officers found a woman in white wandering around a graveyard barefoot past midnight. They asked her what she was doing and she said she was lost, so they brought her back to the station. At the station, this detective was on duty with his partner, who handled the woman's case. His partner took down her details and let her go. The detective I know never saw her face, only his partner did but he remembers seeing her back as she walked out of the station and for some reason she was tiptoeing as she left. His partner ran her ID or name through the system after she left. And apparently she was supposed to be dead. I'm a small town police officer, and we get a lot of calls that can be classified as weird. This one definitely fit that description. It's about 1.30 p.m. on an early Saturday afternoon. I'm on my usual patrol route. I get a call from dispatch, telling me there is a break-in into an abandoned house downtown. They suspect two people may still be inside and did not want to send any more officers, until they knew for sure. This did not really bother me, and more often than not weak kids who just wanted to play around in the place after seeing some urban legend or something online. At least that's how I felt when I was younger. At least once every couple of months somebody would go in there, but this was not the first call of this building and we would see things like graffiti, 
trash you know all those usual things. Eventually it became such a headache for us. That we kind of just stopped responding to the initial calls. But this one sounded important. I pull up to a stop sign not too far away. Idling so I can listen to an update from dispatch. And I get another call from dispatch, saying that one of the 911 calls connected to the break-in was coming from inside the house. This means that there was somebody being trapped in there, calling from a cell phone. Which meant that this could have been a possible kidnapping situation. This wasn't too far-fetched either. This particular house was so run down, who knows what kind of drug deal sex trafficking thing there was going on. But for some reason this particular call just felt wrong. As soon as I got done finished talking with dispatch, I left towards the house. And when I made it there, both front doors were broken open. And it looked like the back door had had its way kicked out. There's obviously no alarm on the place, since the building is surprisingly almost dilapidated. And every single window was boarded up poorly. Enough for me to hear and ruckus inside. The sheer stench that hit my nose like a wave. It smelled like something died. It didn't just smell like rotting flesh. It was like rotting flesh death, urine and feces, vomit and every other horrible thing you can think of. All blended together into this, thick hazy cloud of odor and it made me gag. I'm not somebody who gets sick easily. But I knew right away that whatever was making that smell had to be pretty bad. I double checked my safety again. My firearm is always on safety, unless I'm actively using it and I drew my taser. I wouldn't have used the taser if I saw any movement at all. But it seemed like whatever was in there, couldn't hear me doing so. So I figured they were still alive. I entered through the front door slowly, making sure not to step on anything that would give away my presence or make me known. I knew that nobody could have made it out alive. After being exposed to this odor for so long. When I walked inside, there was nothing to see except abandoned furniture. Some of which, had looked like it got thrown across the living room with a lot of force. As I walked through the living room, I saw that somebody had spray painted graffiti all over the walls. Most of it wasn't anything too special, just your average upside down pentagrams and 666s on every wall. But there were a few pictures that stood out to me, due to how detailed they were. Even though they looked like they were made in about 5 seconds with spray paint. Each picture had some variation of the same thing. A large human-like figure wearing tattered rags and robes, standing directly behind her over another person with some sort of knife. And the other person was tied up in some kind of strange apparatus. The background of each picture was black, except these sinister red-looking eyes on either figure. I was about to turn around and explore further, and that's when I heard the noise. It sounded like a very quiet moan coming from somewhere close by. My stomach started churning again, even worse than before. No matter how many times you see or hear something that sounds like that, it still makes your skin crawl. I called out asking, who was in here? But all I heard back was more moaning. So I called dispatch to give them an update on what I could see or hear. Trying to keep the bile down in my throat. Dispatch. This is Officer Tegan. I'm here at the abandoned house on Main and Broadway. There doesn't appear to be anyone in here, but I. And right when I said I. I heard noise from down in the basement, 
portion of the house. It sounded like thrashing around and I couldn't be certain. The noises grew louder, but I approached the basement door and slowly descended. The door was missing, so I looked down it was dark. As I started descending down the stairs, I noticed that the basement also was accompanied by a foul odor, coming from the dark depths below. I could hear what sounded like a dog or something else that's easy to mistake for a large animal pacing around in the basement. It sounded large. I called out again, demanding to know who was in there. And all I got back was a growl and a snarl, scratching and tearing. I figured some large rabbit dog had been kept down here. I heard nothing but then silence after a moment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I went down another step. That's when things escalated from bad to worse. Out of nowhere... This unspeakable figure emerged from below me and started lurching towards me at the base of the stairs. I couldn't get a good look at it, since it was dark. But I can make out the shape of what looked like a faceless man in tattered rags coming up at me. He wasn't just faceless I mean, the man simply did not have a face. Just skin. This was completely terrifying, so I pulled out my firearm but he kept coming up the stairs and I screamed stop stop right there. Put your hands in the air and get down on the ground or I'll shoot. But it didn't seem like he was going to be complying with my orders anytime soon. He kept coming closer and closer and closer. I warned him. And so I fired three shots of this faceless man. This man was struck twice in the chest. Once in the head, twice in the chest. Knocking faceless man's body, down to the ground at the base of the stairs. He just got back up like getting shot with the gun was nothing and left off into the darkness of the basement. I ran back up the stairs to the front door. Sent someone to my location now. I gave my location and that there's no man with a face in the basement. I'm not sure if he's injured. I shot him three times and he didn't even seem phased, and he ran off. I'm not sure if this is due to drugs or if he's hurt or what. We need to get him into custody before he hurts anybody else.
I took a quick look around my surroundings outside. I didn't see anybody or signs of anybody being around here. But I still think it's best that I stay put until somebody arrives to take me off this assignment. After a moment a car pulled up and the sheriff got out. He asked me what had happened, so I told him everything from start to finish. I showed the pictures of my phone and he just kind of stared at them for a few seconds, without saying anything about them or even handing them back to me. At first, I thought I was going to get laughed at or have him say something negative but it seemed like whoever was inside those pictures, wasn't funny anymore. Which was also disturbing. After a moment the sheriff handed my phone back again. And told me that I was not to speak about this. And he said it with such an ominous voice that for a second, I didn't recognize my supervisor. I was sure he knew something about all this. But I didn't know what. The way he was acting it just didn't seem right. He relieved me right then and there on the call that night. And I went home for a while, and like I said at the beginning, there are many things as officers endure that can really shake you. This was one of them. I still am trying to process what exactly I saw that night. I spent some time as a homicide investigator. We would respond to all apparent quote self-harm and investigate them just to make sure it wasn't a homicide. Usually we determined a motive for self-harm and found a note or other indicator that the person killed themselves. One guy just taped a note to his chest that said happy now bitch. And made sure his wife found him after he hanged himself. But occasionally you get a case where all forensic evidence indicates that the person killed themselves, but there's no note and no discernible reason why this person would be like that. These are people in good health with decent careers and a seemingly happy family life. But who knows what's really going on with someone. Here's the part that freaks me out. I've worked maybe 10 self-harm cases like this. The last three before I left homicide all had the same thing at the scene. These was a little decorative wicker lighthouse at each location. It was the same lighthouse, same design and painted white and blue. It stuck out to me the first time because it was by the bed where the body was, but two weeks later I saw the same damn lighthouse on another self-harm case and even pointed out the coincidence to a patrol officer. A few months later I go on another self-harm case and I see that same wicker lighthouse. That's when it clicks that it's always been unexplained. I go back and look at crime scene photos from every self-harm I've worked. In two of them I see what could be the wicker lighthouse, but the angle is off and there's too much junk around to say for sure. I dunno. I thought it was creepy as hell but I transferred a couple of months later and I let it go. Edit, well that got more of a response than I was anticipating. To answer the question of was it a serial killer I very much doubt it. These were clearly self-harm cases, most of which had no feasible alternative explanation. We work every case as if it were a homicide. An apparent thing is almost always a self-harm, but we err on the side of caution. Also, while serial killers are actually more common than most people think, they rarely leave calling cards or anything like you see in movies. It's usually some f-up dude that has a particular taste. I really do think it was an odd coincidence, but it was still pretty creepy.
The date was June 24th at around 10 p.m. when I responded to a very strange call from a man who lived just a little ways out of town about some very strange animal attacks. He had heard about them from one of his neighbors. So, I drove out there to see if the animal was still possibly in the area. But when I got there, it seemed that all was gone. After driving around for a few minutes, looking for maybe coyotes or other feral dogs, I saw something large standing next to a big rock in the middle of an open field nearby. When I first arrived at this field, everything looked normal. At first glance and from the distance I was at, I thought it might have been a fox. After all they are fairly common around these parts. But then it turned its head to look at me. And whatever the thing was, it had a really long snout with some weird looking fangs hanging down from it. It also had these dark black eyes that just stood out, so much, this creature was also very pale. I think that's one of the reasons why the eyes stood out so much. Then, it did something, that I have a hard time talking about. It stood up on two legs. When this thing looked at me, I became very frightened. Almost falling out of my squad car. I didn't know what else to do, so I grabbed my shotgun, opened up my door and began pointing my weapon at this thing. Having no idea what it was I was dealing with. When I did this, it disappeared into the darkness without looking back. I got back in my car and went to call in a report about everything that had just happened. When something hit my windshield. The severed half of a deer carcass, just then I noticed something large moving in the trees. And I got out to remove this dead deer, from atop my squad car. The whole time, my car's headlights were still on. But what I saw next is something I still cannot explain. A really big, dark beast with claws and these huge horns leapt right out of the brush into the middle of the road, blocking my path. It then without hesitation, charged at my squad car. I'm making an incredibly loud sound that echoed. Imagine the sound of a lion, crossed with an elephant. I'm talking loud. This creature jumps up onto the hood of my vehicle, while it kept ramming itself against my windshield, until finally it shattered sending me flying into the ditch. While getting up and running away, this creature made an ear-piercing screech that absolutely froze my blood cold. It ran after me for a few feet, then stopping suddenly in its tracks making that same sound again before disappearing into the darkness. I was standing there, armed with my shotgun and my squad car now totaled, surrounded by these strange creatures in the forest. I called for backup. I had no idea what I was up against. And these creatures, let's just say the academy doesn't train you for these situations. I stood there, waiting for a response but none came. So, I decided to try and find my way back while these things were off snarling in the tree line. I had my shotgun at the ready and I was about to pump these things full, if I needed to. The same thing stepped back out into the open again and charged me full force. Let me pause here for a moment. Because this is what this creature reminded me of. Do you remember seeing Monsters Incorporated? You might remember a character named Soli. Big colorful monster, right? Well, this beast had that same shape and build, covered in thick hair like a yeti or something with horns. But much more grotesque and angry. As a charge I fired two shots at it, and sent it screaming off into the woods. 
where I began hearing more growls off behind me from the direction of the field. I knew more were coming. I had to leave now before things got worse. I began running down the darkened road, and I could hear these things chasing me. Keeping up with me, paralleling me in the woods. The road was also surrounded by these wire fences. And for some reason I turned and saw a huge pair of glowing red eyes, right between the two trees up ahead of me. This whole time I really thought I might die out there. Alone in those dark mountains. Terrified against whatever these things were, who tried to break down my squad car. I was convinced I'd stumbled upon a pack of mutant rabid bears or something. I don't know what these things were. I jumped down into the side ditch on the road where also the rest of the large storm drain. And I waited for my backup. And I could hear these things going crazy, snarling and growling. Making all sorts of noises. I could hear my partner coming shortly thereafter in a squad car. Just a couple of moments later. He pulls up, I don't waste any time. I jump right in. He tries to back up and the car spins out. One of these creatures had lunged out of this car and began biting and chewing on the tire. I thought for sure this would be our end, but he finally regained control of the vehicle and we went flying down the road with these things giving chase. Until they finally stopped about three miles later. They couldn't make it around this large turn in the road. As soon as I got back to my station I called off work sick immediately. Packed up all my stuff right there and left town left everything behind. Whatever those things were, they were definitely not from around here or anywhere else on earth as far as I know. I've heard about that farm now on the same route, which I refuse to deal with. All around their barn are stricken with dead cattle ripped apart and mulled up. Only bones being left behind. When I got back to town after talking with other locals, my whole station was abuzz about this family and the animals that have been killed by these creatures. I'm terrified for anybody who has to set foot on that property. I'm telling you these creatures were the size of a man. If not larger and had ursing bear-like features. And they looked in the shadows, between trees and were very dark. I couldn't tell if they were all black or just dark in color. With only their yellow eyes showing. I thought I was going to die right then and there before even making it home. It was scary, it was like being in a horror movie to have four of these things giving chase at speeds faster than any man could run, or hope to escape from. I of course felt relief that my partner was there with me when he pulled up. Otherwise, I would have been killed for sure by the looks of it. All their anger directed toward us, as if I intruded upon them without knowing their intentions. These things were hostile these were animals I'd never seen, something from another world. I'm not brave enough to ever go back out there and check out the farm, or those creatures for myself. I need to find out what those were, and how they've managed to exist all these years without ever being seen or hurt. I didn't know such things were real until my actual encounter. But now it makes sense, why there were so many hunters lost in those woods over the past decades. These were definitely were bears from a horror story coming true right before our eyes. Like I said, they were easily the signs of a man or bear but with the face and body more akin to a human. With werewolf-like traits. The entire experience was so terrifying, I can't believe this was even real. 
I wonder what story will be made up by the public to cover up the truth about the hunters getting lost. And all the mishappenings that have been happening. I have zero clue if there's a connection, after all, the public would never believe such a thing. The encounter has affected me in a way that would have shaken any rational person. Hard to leave without missing a beat. To me, I'm just glad to get rid of that horrible memory as much as I can. I'm lucky I lived. I feel silly calling it this but, maybe it really was a werebeer. I need to find out what these things were and how they've managed to do this this long. I'm going to keep my name as an officer out of this story. I'm still active and on duty, and would prefer this to stay as anonymous as possible. Sorry for my writing and it being all over the place. I was kind of frantic and manic while I was doing this. Thank you. I'm an officer. And I have many harrowing stories I could share with you. This is just one of them. And I've never shared with anybody, outside my immediate family. It was late at night, maybe 10 PM or so when the dispatch called me to inform me of a suspicious person. When arriving at the scene, there were two women standing outside their car near a broken down fence. They told me they had been driving on this route, inside the Navajo reservation. And they saw what appeared to be a skinwalker or so they thought. Wrapped in animal skin, walking only 20 yards from their vehicle. When I approached where this skinwalker supposedly was, I saw nothing. But decided to investigate further. The skinwalker must have heard me coming, because suddenly it appeared covered in blood. All everything, but about 5 foot 3 inches tall. I trimmed my weapon, demanding this thing stand there and not move a muscle. Not knowing of course at the time this was actually a skinwalker. And I thought it was some crazed lunatic. When these things don't want to be seen, they're quite impressive. And after all they are supernatural. This thing, a skinwalker, is a Navajo evil spirit that can change into whatever animal it pleases. Wolves, bears, coyotes and so forth. They possess supernatural powers, and practice black magic. They are not to be messed with, and can shapeshift into any form right in front of you without warning. This being didn't say anything, just staring at me until it shapeshifted back into human form, which we all saw right before my very eyes. I'll cut it short but this thing basically ran off into the night. And it was an old frail man covered in animal pelts and blood, completely changed my view of the supernatural and skinwalkers in general I'm still trying to comprehend that this even happened to me. Not a cop, but had one tell us a story. When I was in like GR. 6 I lived in Pei, Prince Edward Island. We had the opportunity to talk to an officer, it was supposed to be like a D.A.R.E. program thing. At the end we got to ask questions, and of course there'd be the typical questions that kids would ask like did you ever shoot anyone? He shot at, but didn't actually shoot anyone, or so he told us. Then someone asks what's the creepiest thing you've seen? I probably don't remember all the details because it was years ago, but it went kind of like this. There was a small island just off the coast of Pei, and one night people had called the police to report a baby crying from the island. The police show up, and sure enough they hear a baby crying. They make their way over to the cries, 
But when they get to the island the crying stopped. They searched everywhere and guess what they found. Nothing. No baby or any sign that someone might be there. They started to leave the island, and immediately the baby crying starts up. Of course they go back, and it stops. I can't remember how long they were looking but they haven't found anything, and you could tell it has been bothering him for a long time by the way he talked about it. It always creeped me out and I doubt I'll ever forget about it. Weird things happen on pay. My partner and I were out on our morning patrol when, we saw this strange creature out of the corner of our eyes. It was large, hairy and had these amber eyes. At first, we thought it must have been a bear but as we got closer it did not look like anything of a bear. So we stopped the car and decided to take a closer look. The way it was acting looked like it was potentially hurt, again, we thought it was an injured bear and we needed to remove it from the situation. As soon as we got out of the car, it started growling at us. We stopped dead in our tracks and looked at each other, what do we do? We shined our lights on it to get a better look and were horrified to realize, this was no bear at all. This was some type of humanoid being. It looked pissed. Reaches down. And you could tell it takes strength, and pries open the bear trap that it was stuck in like it was nothing. It then looks back at us like it was getting ready to charge. We instantly realize this is not a bear, in any way or any animal we knew of. Nothing is capable of pulling a bear trap apart like this. We made sure our guns were loaded and ready to go. It then took a couple of steps toward us, and that's all we needed to see. We got back in the car and decided to get out of there ASAP, speeding away. The strange creature looked exactly like what people have described to be Bigfoot. Now I'm not much a believer in those kinds of things, but let's just say that this early morning perhaps changed my opinion on all that. As for my partner, I think he's still a little skeptical. I think he even believes that it was partially a bad dream or just a bad vision or something. How else do you come to terms with these kinds of things? I'm a medic and worked a short time as an emergency room medic in Detroit. Hated the job, but was a good experience to have. Anyways one night about 3 to 4 am we get a radio report from the police they are coming in with a patient and to meet them in the ambulance bay with a stretcher. Police usually do not transport patients, EMS does that. So I figure it was an officer that was hurt or sick. Go out to the ambulance bay and wait for them. They pull up and jump out of the squad car and yell he's in the back. I start asking questions while trying to assess the patient. The patient is stiff as a board. I don't mean like he was dead and in rigor. We were able to pick him up and carrying him like a backboard. The police tell us they were called to a homeless shelter for a disturbance. They got there and this guy was standing in the middle of the room with all the others kneeling to the floor in a circle around him. He was chanting and no one even paid attention to the police. The police weren't sure what was going on but for whatever reason decided this guy needed medical attention. As we get him in a room he is completely unaware of his surroundings, still chanting. The charge nurse asks if I can understand what he is saying and I realized what it was. He was performing voodoo. 
His chant slash prayer was a mix of Christianity and African folklore. I'm certainly not an expert, but I recognized it. A lot of the nurses were freaked out and did their best to avoid that room. The only time he stopped chanting he looked right at me and said demons would come for me. I am not religious at all and dismissed the whole thing as just an altered mental status. But, the next night I was walking by that room and a psych patient had taken his sheet off his bed. When I walked past he jumped out and tried to strangle me with it. A nurse and an aide were able to tackle him off of me. We restrained him to the bed and sedated him, but he said I told you I was going to get you. I know this was long. Still not sure what to make of it. I was working as a paramedic and my station had a mental hospital in our area. They knew they weren't allowed to call us for basic transports that it had to be an emergency. We get a call there one night for a possible stroke on the fourth floor. We knew that the fourth floor is where they kept people who were guilty of murder, rape etc. and that a police officer would be with us. When we get there the nurse has this look on her face that we are really about to walk into something sketchy. She tells us that the lady won't stop looking to the left, her excuse for calling us and saying it was a stroke, and talking to something. When we walk into the room she's in full conversation with something outside the window. We ask her to talk to us and she got quiet. We load her up and the Leo cuffs her to the gurney. When we get outside she looks back towards the window then quickly shoots her head to the other side and said it's so cool how fast they fly. About 5 minutes from the hospital she asks me if I'm worried that the ambulance is about to break down so that her and her flying yellow friends could rape and kill us? I said no and she started this screeching laugh that I'll never forget. The Leo was as white as snow and said nothing to her. We drop her off in the air, come back outside and the ambulance had cut off and wouldn't start. I went back inside to ask the Leo if he had turned it off and they said no Leo walked inside with us. We couldn't find him and dispatch sent a bunch of cars to look but he wasn't at the hospital. They found him sitting in his cruiser back at mental hospital and he couldn't remember how he got there. To this day I really think her and officer saw something. Not paranormal really just something I always remember that makes me laugh. Starting out in the fire service. Get a alarm drop at an old building late at night that had stories of being haunted supposedly was used as a prison during the civil war lots of executions etc my captain was a middle-aged black guy funny as hell we finished searching the first and second floor and captain relays to command nothing found command tells us to go to the attic and make sure it is clear there as well captain copies the order then just stands there i'm still new so i don't question it we stand there for five minutes in silence until the captain goes over the radio again and says we checked it. All clear. Captain looks at me and says the F I'm going up there. This ain't the horror movie where the black guy dies today. He did say later when I brought it up that he had been in there before for an alarm drop and two water fountains turned on when he walked past them. Our encounter takes place just outside of Anchorage. My officer boyfriend and I were driving to my house. And he gets a call, 
that he was needed by a woman who kept screaming. It's here. The Kushtika. My boyfriend and I were confused. He didn't think anybody else knew about the legends in this area, besides a couple of officers and a few people here and there. Before he could even finish the call, this being steps out in the road about a hundred yards away, causing my man to halt right on his brakes. And right before our very eyes, there it stood. Dark black fur, no nose or tail, small pointed ears and sharp covered, blood yellow teeth. It was about nine feet tall, very slender and skinny. We were all sort of just frozen in place while staring at this thing. What I guess you can call a skinwalker. And I begin sobbing uncontrollably out of fear. And my boyfriend, the officer, starts reversing, and this thing slowly begins making its way towards the vehicle. My boyfriend does a 180 and speeds off. Then, this thing begins flying after us. My boyfriend floors it even more, and this thing is now catching up to our car. While suddenly, just disappearing. All of the police protocols kicked in, and he immediately got online with dispatch. And I just kept praying to whatever God would listen. That this thing did not follow us home. We went to my house where we were both terrified. It was dark at this point, thankfully nothing had followed us back here. And my mom had heard me whimpering when I came to the door. She'd asked what had happened. I told her about our encounter with a skinwalker. That was the only encounter we've ever had, although there have been a few other close encounters in this area before and after. In fact one time, there's a local tribal elder who told us that they saw that Akushitaka's way of luring prey to them, was by taking on human form. And they appear as deformed strange humans. But as you get closer, you can see their true demonic nature. Get too close, and they'll snatch up into the woods. He also reminded us, that these creatures can be killed by bullets or decapitation. Otherwise, the flesh will regenerate back over time. They even take the form of these strange creatures, like the one we saw that night. They are to be avoided at all costs, and we are to try our best to not speak of them, mention them right about them, or even think about them. I figured enough time has passed now, that I can safely write this to you. While my boyfriend and I are still together and he still serves on the force. It's a whole other world out here in Alaska, it ain't like down there in the other 48 states. These things own the woods up here and if you're not careful they will own you too. I used to run a shop on a busy retail street, where all the shop managers had set up a network of radios to keep track of shoplifters and other security risks. We would all meet up once a year in person to discuss local characters and best practice when it comes to security, and one year it became apparent that we were all being targeted by a homeless guy who was trying to sneak into back office areas just before closing to spend the night. Harsh as it is, we obviously all had to kick him out when we found him but nobody wanted to report him to the police because he was always apologetic and understanding when we had to ask him to leave. Occasionally he would head straight to another shop to try his luck, so we got into the habit of calling it in over the radio. One night after I'd escorted him out the fire escape I took my time getting back to the radio. And when I did I found that four other shops were discussing the fact that they just kicked him out of theirs within five minutes of each other, 
which simply wouldn't be possible along a street that long. Nobody ever saw him again and it became a bit of a running joke that he'd died somewhere and we'd all kicked his ghost out. My story takes place on St. Simon's Island in Georgia, on June 30, 2014 at roughly 2.34 am. I was called out to the island for a strange sighting that had been reported by some campers nearby. When we got there, they told us what had happened and where they saw something strange. They said it looked like a strange creature about 5 feet tall with, glowing green eyes, strange hands and almost bent over, like an ape walking on all fours. The night was calm and somewhat chilly, no one around us except for the campers who saw whatever this thing was. I didn't want to go into the woods with them, but my partner insisted that we need to investigate further. Just to see what they were running from. We began walking to the brush and only had walked about 10 feet. And I started smelling this strange odor. Like blood and decaying flesh mixed together in some strange concoction of death and decay. They said it ran off after seeing the flashlights but left behind this odor. We begin to hear screaming off in the distance. Nothing we have ever heard before. Way more than just one person screaming at once too. It sounded like multiple screams in unison. It sounded like everybody around us was screaming for help or just letting out their pain and agony. I have never heard anything quite like it before in my life. And it really freaked me out. We decided to just leave and not look into it any further or report our strange encounter. And personally I've heard of strange stuff before, but never took it seriously. I had heard stories in particular of Bigfoot actually, and the likes but never knew if they were real or not. I guess when you live in a place like this and you see and do some things that make the stories worth listening to. Usually at night around here, you can hear screams echoing off in the distance. Sounds like it's coming from all over the forest. They've been reported before but, most people just think it's some psycho out there with the voice changer or something. Or maybe a prank. Sometimes without fail though, on certain nights if you're outside of your car and alone for too long. Hearing those screams makes you want to get inside ASAP and lock every door you have. Of course, and this is the only time we've heard about these kinds of things. I've had many fellow officers report much more terrifying things going on. Seeing strange I shine way too high off the ground, to be anything but a large black bear. Strange apparitions and shapes appearing off on the side of the road. Ghastly figures with glowing eyes, trying to attack fellow officers. And even horrendous 911 calls of strange humanoid beings, trying to break into people's houses. These are things that many of those cop shows won't tell you about. And many of the public won't discuss. Believe it or not, but there are far more paranormal cases you will deal with as an officer than you would as a civilian.